Welcome to this talk from Emmaus Road Church in Guildford, UK. Thank you for joining us on the journey, wherever you are in the world. You can find out more about who we are and what we're up to at EmmausRoad.com. We are so lucky tonight to have our associate leader, um, prophetic voice, Fulham supporter, wearer of a black pair of Adidas NMDs, which if any of you know your trainers, that's a strong trainer. Isn't that right, Sam? That's a strong trainer right there. Um, let's please welcome Bill Kuzak as he comes to share with us tonight. I'd just love to pray for you if that's okay. Cool. Lord, we thank you so much for Bill. We thank you so much for his hunger for you, for the gifts that you've given him. And Lord, I pray now you would speak through him and you would open up our hearts and our ears to hear you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Mike. Well, hey, it's good to see you. I feel like um, I haven't seen some of you all summer. And that's probably because um, I've been away quite a lot of it, which is really nice. Thank you for asking. Um, um, I'd love you to um, open your Bibles, please, if you could, to Acts chapter 4. We're going to be starting at uh, verse 32, and we're going to be going from Acts 4, 32 to 37. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone who had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. I love the book of Acts. I love the book of Acts because it's really the story of the church, the birth of the church, the growth of the church. The book of Acts it picks up uh, at the end of the uh, Gospel of Luke. It's written by the same author to the same recipient. And uh, to begin with, we have the, the uh, disciples at the end of Luke They have seen their Lord, their friend, uh, be crucified. Uh, They've gone through the despair of seeing him die and the hopelessness of of not knowing what was going to happen and whether they'd just spent three years of their life with something that was now over. They then had the surprise and the wonder and the joy of seeing him be resurrected. And then just before he ascends up to heaven, he says to them, wait in the city until you receive power. And the beginning of the book of Acts, Acts uh, chapter 1 and then Acts chapter 2, they're like waiting. They're waiting for this power, this comforter to come and to be close to them. And then what happens on the day of Pentecost, as you know, is they're all sitting in a prayer room. They're all having their pr- a prayer meeting, uh, locked in because they're afraid. And, um, and then it says there's a sound of a rushing wind and the Holy Spirit comes and fills each one of them. And they experience the love of God, the power of God, the presence of God. Uh, the passion of God in a way that they hadn't before. And it says that it was as if tongues of fire came and rested on each one of them. And, and they're emboldened. Something extraordinary happens to them in that moment. And they are completely changed. 
They are emboldened in a way that no one could have thought possible just a few days before, where they are preaching the gospel, where they are praying for people and seeing extraordinary, miraculous things happening. They're seeing, they're seeing people healed. They're seeing people saved on an epic scale. 5,000 people in one day kind of thing. Massive uh, sort of revival breaking out. And then what happens in Acts chapter 4, in the passage we've just read, it's as if Luke the writer just presses pause. Because there's all this exciting stuff going on. And it's like, it's like he, want, he presses pause and he's like, I just want to take you in to the heart of this move of God and show you what it was actually like. Because for all the miracles and all the salvations, it's like he says, it was built around this. And what he does is in these verses we've just read, he reminds us that actually at the heart of the Christian faith, at the heart of what it means to be a Christian is family. To be part of a family, to be part of a community where, we're, where we've, we've looked up and we've seen God and we worship him and we encounter him and we're changed by him. And because of that, we then look out we're compelled to look out around us initially and then beyond us. And, and this is at the heart of every... And it's as if Paul is saying right at the start of Acts, this is everything else you read, this is what is at the heart of it. Family, uh, community. And what he is wanting to show us is, was important to his, uh, to, to his reader then and is arguably as, if not more important now, today. Let's just look at a couple of those verses again. Verse 32. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them that there were no needy persons among them. I just want to read one verse again. All the believers were of one heart and mind. Not some of the believers... All of the believers were of one heart and one mind. This is so important. Luke actually, um, he's repeating a phrase that he used in Luke, uh, sorry, in Acts 2, uh, 42 to 45, just as Pentecost had happened. This sense of unity being right at the heart of a move of God and unity being right at the heart of the growth of the church. And if you want to know the best authenticator I know of a genuine move of the Spirit, of a move of God, is that there is extraordinary unity amongst the people. Because God has called us into family. He has called us, he has invited us home to be with him, but he hasn't invited us to a bachelor pad where it's all chrome and we live on our own. He's called us into this big, messy, amazing house where we, where we grow together, where we look up together and where we look out together, that we would know him and that we would show him to each other and then to a world that is desperately longing for hope. And it's exciting and it's challenging. And look at the impact that it had on them. Having experienced the love and the power of God, they were drawn together in such a way that there was this incredible sense of unity, one heart and one mind. Everybody shared everything they had. If someone was in need, someone found a way to give to that person who was in need. They weren't doing it because they had to. They were doing it because they had encountered the love, the presence, the goodness of God. And that so changed them that they couldn't keep that to themselves. 
Looking out was a natural response uh, from having encountered God, having looked up, because he's called them to be part of a family, to demonstrate who he is in the small things as much as in the big things. You know, our culture is sort of increasingly materialistic, and this idea of being generous, of looking out generously, is so countercultural. I think it's no mistake that actually what happened was that um, this practical outworking of experiencing and encountering and sharing the love of God worked in tandem with the supernatural, they worked together. Again, one of the authenticators is when, when God is moving in a place, there's an outbreak of the supernatural and there's an outbreak of practical, nitty-gritty love and service. And it's that that so powerfully testifies to the resurrection of Jesus. Because if all that happens is we sit in a room and we get excited together and it makes no impact on anybody else at all, what testimony is that to the rest of the world, to the community that we live in, that Jesus is alive? People know that Jesus is alive because they see him alive in and through us as we serve him, as we love him, and as we love those around us, and as we love the community that we are part of. Jesus said, everyone will know you're my disciples if you love one another in Luke 13, 35. He's called us to family. He's called us to community. Right, if you look at the Bible, right at the beginning of the Bible when he makes that promise to Abraham, he says you'll have as many descendants as there's stars in the sky and grains of sand on the seashore. All together, called together. I, he, he says, I, I called you to be a people that will show the rest of the world what I'm like. And it started with the people of God. And then that has been transferred and we have been included in that. Uh, with Jesus and after the resurrection. We've been included in this call to be a light in the darkness, to show who God is, to show how God is, that would point to him, that people would be bowled over by his love as they experience it both in worship uh, in church, but also worship in living amongst uh, people. And that kind of love for one another, that kind of unity, that kind of community, that kind of family, that kind of home is so attractive. People want to be part of that. When I got saved, it wasn't the gospel, well, it wasn't the gospel that I heard that, that persuaded me that I wanted in. It was the gospel that I saw. It was the gospel that I experienced in the lives of the people of the, the, the church that I was taken on to that convinced me that there was something to this. Uh, I was, uh, years ago, it was, seems like a long, it was a long time ago. How many people here were born in 1993? A few. Oh, good. Good. Well, well uh, 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 in 1993, for those of you who were just born or weren't born yet, I was on my gap year. That's how old I am. I still remember cassette tapes and video, and I remember the VHS Betamax War, which was our kind of, you know, that, that, that time frame's uh, equivalent of um, PlayStation and Xbox War kind of thing. Anyway, I was on my gap year, and um, I did this thing called YWAM, and it's a bit like the vision course. In fact, if the vision course had been around when, when I was leaving school, I would have definitely gone and done that. It uh, starts in February. It's run by 24-7 Prayer. We host it here. It's brilliant. Um, but, I, but we did sort of three months Bible teaching, and then we went and did, we did outreach, and we did outreach in Mexico. And a whole group of us got in this minibus and uh, sort of traveled around Mexico 
and um, did uh, in the day we'd do sort of acts of service, and then in the evening we'd put up, we'd arrive somewhere, put out a PA, and do a tambourine dance, which is just I just think about it now. I'm just horrified that I ever did that. But sort of in a white t-shirt, white trousers, a sash around my waist, and waving a tambourine around. It's amazing what you do when there are other people doing it. It seems totally normal, but but I look back at it now, and I'm just like. You know, God did some amazing stuff, but I think it was in spite of our tambourines rather than because of them. Um, but anyway, what happened was we, were, we ended up in this place called Puerto Escondido. Random fact about Puerto Escondido is it's right in the south of Mexico. It's not quite as far south as you can go, but pretty much. And I, um, just one random fact for those of you who like this sort of thing. The foreign object most commonly removed from people's ears in Puerto Escondido is cockroaches. So, so anyway, we were, we were doing our acts of service in the day, and we were doing, moving swiftly on, and we were doing uh, these uh, tambourine dances in the evening, and then we'd go out for a meal afterwards, and, and what we noticed after a while was this guy started hanging around, and he, um, he would hang around uh, in the evenings, and then he'd sort of sit near us when we'd gone to a taco stand, and he'd just watch us, and then he started turning up um, at the place where we were sort of helping in this orphanage, and eventually, we, we said to him, do you want to come and join us for a meal? And we just got talking to him. And he said, um, what is it about you people? And um, we weren't quite sure if he was talking about the tambourines, and for which there was no excuse, or whether he was talking about something else. But really, what had happened is he'd seen the way that we lived uh, together. He'd seen the way that we'd looked out for each other. And he'd never seen anything like that before. And we said, this is what it means to be a Christian. And... Um, uh, he ended up coming and helping us on outreach and helping us in the orphanage. He eventually got saved, but that happened later. He belonged to something before, before it changed his life. And the more that he understood why, he, he, got, he got saved. But he was drawn into this community where we looked up in worship and then we looked out at those uh, around us. And it's been said that we live in a culture that has never been more connected, but where people have never felt more isolated. I spend so much of my time meeting with people and who on the surface seem very happy. And it doesn't take long often for them to say they just feel lonely or they feel cut off. Or, and I'll look at them sometimes uh, and what I'm thinking is you've got loads of friends and you've got loads of people following you on Instagram. You've got loads of friends on Facebook. And digital friendship is not the same, can never replicate the, what it means to sit down with a group of friends and share life and do life together. It's a great... Uh, something, it's a great addition, a d- great compliment to that. But you will never find life uh, with ones and zeros, binary, uh, in a digital world. It can help. But, but it's like people have become their own individual islands. Like, just to be like, this is slightly off-piste, but I've seen how it has really affected people when they uh, look at um, Instagram or you know, Snapchat or whatever, and they see all the things that they're not doing. All the things that everybody else seems to be doing, how brilliant everyone else's life seems to be, and they're just little old them trying to get on with life, and they look at all this other stuff, and it makes them feel really miserable, really alone, um, and really disconnected. Uh, If that's you, I just, like, the only way I can sum it up is this. There was a band in the 1980s and 1990s called Aha, and they, yeah, that's right, Take on me. Uh, that's the song. Not, I'm not encouraging you to take on me. Um, but um, they did this song called The Sun Always Shines on TV. And I think, just be aware that the sun always shines on TV. We, um, people show you the best of life. They don't show you the whole of life. 
Uh, it's the edited best, greatest hits highlights of their holiday, of their day, whatever. If you watched our home videos of when we went on holiday, you would think that in the northeast of England, it was sunny every day. It's sunny for about two afternoons a year, and we just happen to be there. And in those moments, we, get, we used to get the video camera out, and we'd put you know, three and a half minutes worth of video together of, of two afternoons, because the rest of the time it was raining. But you just don't see that on tape. You don't see that. And I, so, so, so if this is something that is a sort of a, a thing for you, please come and talk to us, and we want to work out how, how, how to help you and support you. Um, just to think beyond the parameters of life according to Instagram or Snapchat or whatever it is, because we don't want you to feel alone. We want you to feel part of a family where you are known and you are loved and you're accepted for who you are, uh, regardless of what you look like, regardless of what you think about, regardless of what your opinions are about certain things, regardless of anything, you, you are loved and you are welcomed and you are accepted here. That is what we believe. New, that's what this community that we read about at the beginning, that's what uh, they are. This community that is radically loving, radically accepting, radically chasing after Jesus and radically loving each other and radically loving the world. It's hard to imagine, I know, um, for those of you who don't know me, but I am what I like to call a stealth geek. What a stealth geek is, it's someone who's a geek, but they don't want anyone to know. Uh, if you've known me for any length of time, of course, that goes completely out the window. But, but um, for those of you who don't, I've just blown my cover. But, I'm, uh, but um, a while ago, um, you know, I have a mobile phone. And the point of a mobile phone is, you know, surprise, surprise, it makes phone calls. But there was a new phone that came out. And, um, and, and, and so I decided that I wanted one of these new phones. I knew that demand was going to be high. So I went at uh, 5 o'clock in the morning and stood outside the shop. I was surprised to find that there were people who had been there, got there even earlier than me and come from places like Tunbridge Wells to come and stand outside the shop to get this phone that made phone calls. And, um, and we got, initially there was a little bit of suspicion, we a little bit, you know, because we didn't know how many phones they had, we didn't know if the person in front of us was going to get one, and we weren't, and we got up so early, and all the rest of it. Um, uh, but eventually we sort of got chatting to each other, and someone even went and got someone, a group of us cold soup um, at six o'clock in the morning, and we waited four hours, and I waited four hours until the shop, well, four and a half hours until the shop opened. And just as I was walking in, this guy next to me said, this is amazing, we're community, we're a community. And I didn't have the heart to say, like, you're a really nice guy. You've come all the way from Tunbridge Wells, but I'm never going to see you again. That's not, that's not a community where you're loved and accepted and where you can grow and share and all the rest of it. I was, I have been part, I've been privileged to be part of, uh, obviously, the, 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 the family, the church, but of smaller groups where, where I have been loved and I've been accepted and I've, people have loved me enough to challenge me when I've messed up royally. They've loved me and encouraged me in my gifts and I've grown and I've developed and they, some of these people have become lifelong friends. That is radical community, not standing outside a shop waiting to buy the latest phone. So how do we become this kind of family, this kind of home? Well, I've said a little bit about the first one already. The first thing we do is we need to look up in wonder and worship at Jesus. We need to encounter him. We need to encounter his presence. Uh, and uh, there are a number of ways that we do this. 
The first way that we do this is obviously on Sundays. We gather together on Sundays, and as a group of us together, we worship him. And there's a particular sense of God's presence when we do that, because Jesus promised when two or more were gathered together, he would be there in our midst. So we gather together on a corporate level, uh, lots of us all together, and we worship him. And that's a great place to start, but it's a great place to start. That is not where it starts and ends. Great place to start. So, and obviously within that, we really love and we really place a high value on sung worship. We, it, and now I'm not talking about what it sounds like, though it does always sound amazing. But it's not about what it sounds like, actually. It's about the heart behind it. And I love it when Mike steps out and he takes risks and never apologize for, for being obedient. You don't even need to explain it sometimes. Just, just go for it. We, I love it. But it begins in worship and then it extends into prayer. We have a prayer room downstairs. That We have prayer weeks where you can book a slot. But I want to encourage you that the prayer room is not only open during prayer weeks. We've got a growing sort of army of people who, um, who have said, can we pray in the prayer room at other times? There are a number of uh, you in here tonight. And uh, they got the code for the door and they book in and we know when they're going to be there. And they pray at different times. I don't know what your life is like, but my life is crazy busy, and I'm also super good at being distracted. So um, those of you who can pray at home, bless you. I'm just not that person. There's always something to do, whether it's um, something on my computer or something making another cup of tea or meetings. I'm just, I'm very easily distracted. So I love the fact that I can go to a room that has been set aside and been designed to help people encounter Jesus. And it's just below where some of you are sat. And it's open for prayer weeks, and then we've got one coming up. Uh, more information about that in the guide. But it is open and available for you anytime you'd like it. You just need to ask, drop us an email, info at emmausroad.com, and write prayer room in the, in the information box. And we will help you uh, build this, this, this rhythm in your life where you can spend time with Jesus away from the distraction, away from the, the noise everywhere else. So prayer room is really important. And finally, the, another place where we look up is really important is collectives. I would not be standing here now if it wasn't for the fact that very early on in my Christian life, someone said, hey, a group of us meet on Tuesday. Do you want to come along? And I, I didn't really know what that involved, but I didn't have anything on that Tuesday, and I went along. And, and um, those different... Um, Groups, as I have over the last 27 years sort of grown in faith, have been the place where I have been cheered on, where I've been championed, where I've been challenged, and where I felt known and loved and accepted. Because I, I just want to be really honest Sunday is great, but you are never going to build deep friendships on a Sunday morning. It's just not going to happen. Not because we don't want it to happen, but because it's not the right, it's just not easy. You could sit next to the same person. Every week, and the conversation, we go, how's your week? It's been good. How's yours been all well? You know, you share a brief conversation, then the service gets going. It's difficult. That is why collectors are so important, because that's where we get to do the deep stuff, where we get to really sort of, you know, look at the Bible together and talk about it in a discursive way. There are a couple of collective leaders here, and uh, I would commend any collective to you. I know all the collective leaders. They're all amazing. And their collectives are places where you will grow and where you will be walked with. Do you know what? Um, just being really honest, this has been like one of the hardest years in my life. Um, it started all, um, a year ago yesterday. My father-in-law, who's an amazing, godly man, 
um, who is my mother-in-law's primary carer. She has MS and is in a wheelchair. Um, he's our primary carer, and, and he, we noticed that the, he had he developed this um, just dropped foot, and it just hadn't seemed to be getting any better. And we'd sort of try, they tried to work out what it was, and and eventually um, Nikki, my wife, and her sister got involved and sort of pushed quite hard. And he had all these tests, and a year ago yesterday he was diagnosed. I think it was a year ago yesterday was diagnosed with motor neurone disease. And for those of you who don't know what that is, is it, a, it, it is a degenerative terminal condition where you're basically your, 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 your nervous system uh, affects your muscle system and it stops working. And with, with most but not all cases of it, it is terminal. It's terminal with, with, with so in between 18 months and three years. So, and, it, and it normally happens to people much younger than my father-in-law. So, so we were sort of reeling from that and feeling like we've sort, of, you know, sort of been in the boxing ring and just dealing with shock and sort of just, it was really full on and really hard. And then just as we were beginning to get our heads around that, in January this year, my mother-in-law had a stroke. And, um, and uh, it was pretty shocking and it was pretty full on and she was in hospital and, and we didn't know, how, for, for a while we didn't know, you know what, the, what the prognosis was and that was pretty full on. And then my father-in-law was at the same time was getting rapidly a lot worse and then he, he, would, um, he would fall over quite often because his muscles were all um, rapidly uh, degenerating and becoming weaker. And then in, I think it was about um, February, we, uh, our youngest son is um, slightly dyslexic. And uh, we, we were called into a meeting at school and they said, he, in a really nice way, he needs to move school. So it was like not a great few, it was a really full on couple of months. Um, and, and then... Uh, you know, we're sort of trying to deal with my father-in-law, we're trying to deal with my mother-in-law, we're trying to um, sort of be good parents in the middle of this quite unsettling time for our son. Um, and and um, what, we, what would happen is we would come home and we'd find outside our door um, people from our collective would have left a meal outside our front door for us. Or one of them would, would phone up and say, you guys need to go and have a night out, uh, we'll babysit. And um, this, we've had friends all over the place who've sort of walked with us. But it really was our collective that carried us through this last year. And the day before Focus, my father-in-law died sudden, very suddenly. And again, it was our collective who, we're at Focus, Nikki is coming and going, sort of trying to, just we're sort of, frankly, sort of just, emotionally and mentally all over the place and it's our collective who just at focus just draw alongside us what do we need to do how can we help you how can we support you it was core team who said how can we support you what can we do and again just carried us through what has been an extraordinarily painful difficult time that we a year ago none of it was even none of this had happened or just starting to happen it was a collective that carried us through that community where we where we look up and then we look around. But secondly, we need to look out. He has called us to show him to the world. And this, this uh, power, the power of God, works itself out practically. It says in verse 34, God's grace was so powerfully at work in them that there were no needy persons among them. As I said, as we are drawn to him, as we look up and we're drawn to him, we're then, we're, something happens to us and we're compelled to look out and to look around. 
we find we want to help with the kids' work on Sundays or in the week, or we want to help with youth, or we want to get involved with um, Alpha, or we want to uh, help with community outreach, or we want to get involved in a collective if we're not in a collective. We find ourselves wanting to share what we have with those around us. One of my friends heard that another family in the church, their TV had broken. And they didn't have a lot of money, this family. He'd just got a, he'd just got a promotion, a sort of bonus pay rise thing. And so he went and bought them a television and just left it at this enormous television outside their house with a bow on it saying, love from Jesus. Uh, one of my other friends, he doesn't have, um, um, he doesn't have, um, he doesn't earn lots of money, but he has a car. And so he just said, Jesus, I just, I'm going to use this car to serve you any way I can. So it was at the end of Collective one night. He said, right, I'll give anyone a lift home. and needs a lift home. So there's sort of people piling the car. And he drops someone off somewhere. And he says to the last person, right, where are you going? They say, Portsmouth. So he drives them to Portsmouth, drops them off, and drives home again. Because that's what happens when we encounter the, the love of God. It, it's, it's, it's spiritual, but it's practical as well. That's what I love about community outreach and what we do, what Jazz and the team do with that. Whether it's the Alice Holt days, we just took some, some people off to Alice Holt this week for the day and they had an amazing, amazing time. People who wouldn't be able to experience a day like that, um, those of you who give to church, you paid for it. We take families away um, in the summer for a weekend, paid for by you. We, um, we do, uh, this week, in this room, Claire Jones was furiously cutting people's hair on the way back to, uh, as they were, before they went back to school for families for whom maybe just a haircut is financially a struggle. This week, you paid, those of you who give money, paid for us to clothe families, uh, clothe children and buy them shoes who wouldn't be able to afford new stuff. They'd be going to second-hand sales. That's what the love of God looks like. That, that's what we mean when we, when we read, everyone had everything in common and gave to those who were in need. That is what it looks like. Now, Pete's going to talk more next week. Uh, we, next week is Mission Sunday, and we're going to talk more about that. That's what we love about Mission Family, that we get to support uh, families, uh, individuals around the world serving Jesus that wouldn't be able to do it if it wasn't for for you giving us money to support them, in most cases. That's what I love about being, being part of this church, is we look up and we, we love that, and then we look out and we, we think, where's the need? How can we support people? How can we help people? How can we mobilize people? That's why we sent the Slins out to Ibiza, because we felt God calling us to plant a church there, to meet the needs of the people there. I was talking to one of my friends who's not a believer about, about the community outreach stuff. He couldn't believe it. I won't say exactly what he said because uh, there would be more bleeps than anything else. But it, he, just, he said, why would people do that? Why would you pay for people to go on holiday? Why would you pay for people to... Why would someone cut people's hair? Why would somebody... So many questions. And I said, because that's what happens when you look up and you experience the love and the goodness of God. You can't help but look out. That's why people get involved with Vaughan House. That's why someone in our, in our church left her job and went and worked at Vaughan House. Because that's what happens when we radically encounter the love of God. We look up and then we, we look out. That's what family is, a place where we're radically loved, where we're radically accepted, where we're valued, where we're cheered on, where we're championed, where we're challenged, and then where we think, how, how together can we be uh, a city on a hill? 
Remember, Jesus said, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand so that it would give light to everyone in the house. And he says, in the same way, you let your light shine before people that they would see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. We don't... That's, that, that, we do it because not because we feel we have to, but because that's what happens when we look up. It compels us then to look out. I want to um, stop in just a second, but um, as we come into land, I'm just particularly aware that a lot of what I talked about around family and around home and community, um, when I was talking about people who feel isolated and cut off and lonely... I just know that there are going to be people like that in this room tonight. I just know there are. And I know equally that there are going to be people here who are like, how do I get more involved? Well, first thing you can do is talk to Peter if you're interested in worship. Talk to Jessica if you're interested in children. Talk to Matt if you're interested in youth. Uh, talk to me if you're interested in collectives. Talk to Scott and Misty if you're interested in mission family. We've got loads of ways to tonight help you plug in and, and get you connected. Or fill in a Get Connected card. Even if you already fill one in, say, right on it, I've already filled one in, but I want to get more involved in and tick. Tick as many things as you like. We will help you get as involved as you'd like to be, not because you have to, but because you've experienced the love of God, because you've been changed by him, and because of that, you can't help but want to get more involved, both in a collective but also looking uh, further afield. But we'd love to pray for you if that's you as well, that that, that God would continue to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you, the call of God which is on your life. So we'd love to pray for you as well. So why don't we stand together? I'm going to pray. I think then I'm going to hand back to Mike. Maybe the worship band could come back up. Father, I want to thank you that you, right at the start of the book of Acts, you press all this exciting stuff going on, and then you say, this is what it, this is, what it is actually all about. It's about family, it's about community, it's about home, it's about looking up in worship and looking out. So Lord, would you help us to do both? Would one inspire and inform the other? I want to pray, Lord, for those people here who do feel isolated a little bit and cut off and lonely. Lord, that they would know that they are loved deeply by you and they are loved deeply by us, that they are valued by you and that they are valued by us. Lord, I want to pray that you would help us with them find ways of meeting them so that they don't feel like that anymore. And Father, for those of us who are like, sign me up. We pray, Lord, that you would stoke that and share that, Lord, whether it's youth and children, whether it's worship, whether it's mission family, whether it's collectors, whether it's the prayer room, whatever it is, Lord, would you continue to stir us up? Whether it's community outreach, would you stir us up? Do, um, if you're interested in the prayer room, I forgot to say, do talk to Holly. She's just um, standing over there waving. But Lord, thank you for all those things. Thank you for what you're doing amongst us. It's such a privilege, such an honor. We are so thankful.
Amen.